including myself. Amen. So, um, you know, this week we, um, all right, you know, the Lord really doesn't care about skin color. You realize that? In Galatians chapter 3, he basically says, in me there's none of that. He, He sees one thing, the blood of Christ and spirit. That's what he sees. And all of us, no matter what skin color we are, no matter what skin color we are, we are in the kingdom and family of God if you know Jesus. And if you're not, then God wants you to be. And this week in the kingdom of God, you and I both lost brothers and sisters in Charleston. And we want to lift them up. Today we want to lift up uh, Charleston's Emmanuel AME Church. We want to lift up their friends their family, and we just want to lift up the body of Christ as a whole because it's not just in America where we have been losing brothers and sisters. We've been losing them all over the world. The devil is attacking like crazy. And so let's do this, not as white and black people and anybody else mixed in coming together. Let's do it as the body of Christ coming together under one blood, the blood of Jesus saying, Lord we just lift up our, our family. We lift up our body. And so right now, will you join with me and let's pray and lift all of the body of Christ up. Lord, right now, we know that there was a tragedy in Charleston. That we're, It's in our own territory. It's on our own home turf, Lord, here in America. And, and you had uh, just an amazing example of love as even the family members that stayed got to show forgiveness and love to the, to the person that they think did that, Lord. And Father, we just lift them up. Let them feel the peace that passes understanding. Let them be strengthened with all your might. Lord, right now, let your love manifest in their heart and in their mind. Even right now, they're having a service of, as a memorial to this family members that we've lost. Lord, we just lift them up in Jesus' name. Right now, Father, we just ask for supernatural favor and peace on that body, on that church, Lord. And we just lift up the whole body of Christ around the world, over in the Middle East, in America, in South America, in Europe, in Asia, in Russia, Lord, in China. Lord, we lift up the whole body of Christ. Lord, let them be strengthened with all might right now to stand against the wiles of the devil, to have peace in the middle of a storm, that your love would be made manifest in them, not only in peace and in strength, but in power and boldness to do what you've called them to do. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you so much for who you are and who you desire to be through us. And Lord, we thank you that right now, peace reigns through your love in your body. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all for joining with me in that prayer specifically. So today, um, I am... uh, Honestly, I'm having a hard time staying, uh, putting words together a little bit because the Holy Spirit is moving on me on this message so much, and uh, it's it's really, really an important message. Tomorrow, 
when we put this message up, it'll be up probably later this afternoon, but tomorrow we'll post it like on the social networks and stuff like that. And I'm going to send it out and I'm going to ask people, look, I don't normally ask you to do this, but I'm going to ask you to watch this message because this is one of the most important messages I've ever preached. I've never preached this before, uh, but today on Father's Day, it's particularly important and fitting, but I'm telling you, it's a huge message, and this is one of the things that's keeping the body of Christ from where they should be because of a lack of understanding on this message. And if you'll grab a hold of this, it will change your life. And the truth of the matter is, once you hear it, you're probably going to say, I know somebody that needs to hear that. I know somebody that needs to hear that. And today's message is, you need a father. You need a father. And heres I just want to start out by talking about this. What is a good father? What is a good one? Because we all probably have different ideas of what a good father is. And the truth of the matter is the world will teach us what the world wants to. And when I say the world, I'm talking about the corrupted one that's ruled by the devil. Okay? The world, its flesh, will even teach you things that sound good on the surface, but underneath the surface they surface they still it still has corruption what is a good father and i'm not going to go into huge depth on this but let me just tell you this a good father is a father that walks in love and here's the thing in first john 4 8 it says this it says that god is love and so a good father is not just one that gives gifts to his children. A good father is one that walks in love. And those are not the same. Those are not equal. In other words, I could give everything to my daughters that they asked for. Everything to my son that he asked for. That does not make me a good father. What makes me a good father is if I walk in love, 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. So a good father is a father that walks in God. A good father is a father that walks in God. And when we say that God is love, we need to know what love is. We spend a lot of time talking about this. Most of you have heard this, but some of you haven't. Love is defined like this. Love is a choice and a commitment to unconditional giving at the leading of the Father. So for instance, uh, Jesus showed us love. Jesus and the Father showed us love because here's what happened. All of a sudden, we were in trouble as a species, as humans on this planet, as his creation. And God said this. He said, I choose to send my son. He didn't have to choose. It's a choice. He is love. He shows us by his character, by his nature, what love actually is. It's a choice. Number two, it's a commitment. Jesus was in the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, here's the thing. What did Jesus tell the Father? See, Jesus didn't want to go to the cross and die. And we know that by what he said. He said, not my will, but yours be done. In other words, he was committed to do whatever it took. And he found that by looking to his Father. He says that he never did anything, but what uh, the Father, he saw the Father doing, he never said anything, but what he heard the Father say. 
And so we know that the Father's heart was, who is love, was to make a choice to choose us. To be committed to us all the way to the end, whether we felt like it or not. And then it is a choice and a commitment to unconditional giving. In other words, Romans chapter 5 in verse 6, verse 8, and verse 10 shows us that Jesus didn't come for us and God didn't send him to us when we had all our stuff together. <laughs> he came when we were helpless, sinners, and enemies. Those three things. We were helpless, we were sinners, and we were enemies of his. That's when he decided to send Jesus. So was it conditional when God gave us his son? No, it was unconditional, thank goodness. Because had it been conditional, we'd have never made it. But love is a choice and a commitment to unconditional giving. But then we know, and I won't go into full detail on this, but if you've got questions on it, I'll be happy to explain it to you. In 1 Corinthians 13.3, it basically shows us that I can give all I have and I can make a choice and I can make a commitment and I still am not in love because I haven't heard from God. And the best way to relate that is if my kids always ask me for ice cream for dinner, I can give to them unconditionally, I can make a choice, I can commit to that for all of their life. But that doesn't mean I'm in love to give them ice cream all the time. I need to hear from God, what is God? And we see that example in Christ, who never did anything but what he saw the Father do. So, love is a choice and a commitment to unconditional giving at the leading of God. A good father walks in that and walks in God. That's what a good father does. Not only does a good father walk in that, but he shows us a good father lives by example in that love. In other words, we can look, if we won't look at Jesus if we want to figure out what we need to do in this world, all we got to do is look at Jesus and see how he operated. And that's a good father. Because he's showing us, he was showing us the heart of the father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And what he was doing, he was showing and leading by example. What is it to walk in love? And a good father on this earth, what are they going to do? They, we should be able to look at a father that we classify as good and we ought to see how to live life, to live in love, to live God by their actions. We can watch the choices that they make and say, man, that's a good father. Man, that looks like God. He's showing me how to live after God. Number three thing, they walk in love. A good father walks in love. He shows us uh, by example how to walk in love and God. And number three, he teaches us how to walk in love and in God. He doesn't just live it, but he also is a teacher of this is what you do. This is how you do it. He helps us to grow up in God, to grow up in love. Now this is a good father. Now you can see a lot of people, I guarantee you today, there's going to be posts all over Facebook telling them everybody in the world how good their father is. Now that doesn't change the fact that they were talking trash about him yesterday and probably going to talk trash about him tomorrow. See, it, but today they will honor him and they'll say, I had the best father ever, ever. But the truth of the matter is that's probably not true. But if we're going to actually see who is a good one and who is not a good one, then we need to look at 
Are they walking in love? Are they walking in God? Are they being a good example? And are they teaching these things? And if you're, if you're a father right now and you're convicted by this, I can tell you sitting right here, just going over this myself, I'm going, there's probably some things I could work on myself. And every single one of us, you know why? You know why there's things that you could work on right now, no matter who it is here in this? No matter who you are, because the truth of the matter is, you don't look like God yet. You're not walking in all the revelation of who God is. In other words, you still have room to grow, and that's okay. The process is, what's really okay is if we're heading in His direction. If we're growing, that's why we're here this morning, so that we can change and we can learn what is God and what's not. Let's turn to Proverbs 1 and verse 8 and 9. Now Proverbs is written by Solomon, who's known as the wisest man to ever live. And if you know the story about Solomon, he goes, God asked him. uh, Basically, Solomon puts together this huge offering. He basically takes all of the kingdom of Israel, all of God's people, and he says... Lord, we're yours. And God comes to him in a dream and says, what do you want? Oh, what a huge question. What if God came to you for real and said, what do you want? At that point, he could have said, well, I want to be wealthy. I want to be the best king in history. I want to be this. I want to be that. I want to do all these things and think about all the the self fish things that we would probably ask for. And here Solomon says this, Lord, make me wise that I may rule your people well. Make me wise. And the Lord said, I will not only give you that, but since you asked for something that was important to me, I will give you the wealth and the the fame as well. In other words, what he experienced was, seek me first and all these things will be added to you. That's what Solomon experienced. But he became known as the wisest man. Then he wrote these Proverbs and you'll see right here why he wrote them. He wrote Proverbs to his son. And he wanted to pass on this wisdom to his son. And you see, my child, listen when your father corrects you. And don't neglect your mother's instruction. You know, there's actually teaching in this world that a son should only listen to their father. But that's not true. The wisest man in the world says, hey, you need to hear from your mom too. And then he goes on to say this, what you learn from them, your father and your mother, will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. I want my children to be crowned with with honor and grace. I want them to be walking in that. But here's the thing. We need good fathers to pass on this blessing into the lives. Good fathers, good mothers. In other words, one of the things he's saying, you notice it doesn't say what you learn from him will crown you with grace. It's what you learn from them, your father and your mother. And so it's very important that we have a heritage, not that's what the world has taught us, but what has God taught us? What has God showed us in His love? What is the heritage that God has passed on? A lot of times we want to take so much our our physical heritage, and we're so proud of our physical heritage, but a lot of times the heritage of the one that really counts, God Himself, who is love, 
we throw that to the side because the world has taught us to do it only one way. Yet that's the most important thing. What God teaches us is the most important. And what the world teaches you, you can throw that away. The things that you see are temporal and temporary. But the things that you don't see, the spiritual things of God, these things are eternal. That's what the Word says. You go on into chapter 4, and it's very interesting. You know, you have David, who is known as the great king. Then you have Solomon, who is known as the wisest man to ever live, and the wealth of his kingdom was known around the world. I mean, you had Egypt, think about this, you had the queen of, of Egypt basically coming up to see how Solomon does things, bringing a huge offering to him and everything else, and, and she wanted to get around him to learn what he knew. And what's great is, what did he know? He knew God. So you've got David, this great king. Then you have King Solomon, who's awesome. And then in chapter 4, it says this, My children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment, for I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions. And here's an important verse. For I too was once my father's son, tenderly loved as my mother's only child, my father taught me, take my words to heart, follow my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. In chapter 3, what's it, I mean, in verse 3, it's interesting because he says, look, I was my father's son, or I was King David's son. The king. Now, they might not have known it then, but now we know him as the great king he knew he was pretty awesome but here he is he's saying look here's the wisdom of my father here's the wisdom of your father now take these things and watch don't turn away from and you'll do awesome as well he's showing generations of this blessing generations of this wisdom generations of a fatherhood being passed down and the importance of it. This is the wisest man that ever lived saying, pay attention and learn from your father. Pay attention and learn from your father. Now his son there, um, Rehoboam, in Second Chronicles eleven seventeen, they were getting ready to do something really stupid and the word of the Lord came to him and he listened to the word of the Lord. And it's interesting here, because he made this decision, it, now it says, he, this strengthened the kingdom of Judah, and for three years they supported Rehoboam, son of Solomon, for during those years they faithfully followed in the footsteps of David and Solomon. You notice that they didn't faithfully follow in the steps of the actual king at that moment. Look at the wording that God's given us here. They faithfully followed in the footsteps of the king's father and his father. And in this period of time, there was a blessing that came on their kingdom. There was, there was this huge buildup of morale and everything. And while they were under that leadership and faithful to the teachings of their father, there was a blessing that was released. Now, 
we know that Solomon's son went from there, it's like the next verse, and he stopped following the wisdom of his father. You know, it's very interesting about that because there's something when we hit about 18 where this world, not God, but this world teaches us I'm to become my own man now. Or now I'm my own woman. And we step out from under the blessing of a father that was never supposed to happen. The world teaches us to take pride in making your own decisions. And let me put it this way, to take pride in ditching the support system that God has had and placed in your life. The world teaches us that breaking free from our own father is good. Now the world does. In the flesh we have taken pride in being our own man or our own woman, but God's plan is different. It is beautiful and powerful but it is based in humility and love. You see, the world will teach you that you've got to go be your own man and, and you, can't, you can't go do it without making your own choices and, and you've got to show the world what you're made of and you've got to make your own decisions. That's what the world will teach you, but that's a bunch of junk compared to God. God will say, if you will humble yourself to your mother and your father, your days will be long. He never meant for there to be a disconnection from an orderly system of authority. And your father and your mother, they have an authority in your life. I would say as a Christian, the greatest revelation that I've had is a series that I preached last year on Reset. I, I can't see, I cannot foresee how there will be a greater revelation in my life as a Christian. And just this morning I was talking to my dad and wishing him a happy Father's Day. And I got to thank him for the fact that that revelation in part came through him because I was sitting there having conversation with him at the beginning of 2014 and just in conversation with him I was sharing some things that God had put on my heart and he made a statement and when he did it might as well have been God himself speaking to me. And that led me to that Reset series. In other words, I wouldn't have had that revelation, what I now consider my greatest revelation, had I not been honoring my Father at that moment. How many of those things have we missed in life because the world's taught us to break ties from our support system, from the authority of God's order? God's plan, listen, is to never, for you to never be without a father. It's for you to never be without a father. But listen, the devil will do anything, anything to get us to be orphans or to orphan ourselves. Because he knows the strength of a father in our lives. The devil knows the strength, and that ought to tell you something right there. If the devil knows the strength, then that means, man, if the devil's going this way, I absolutely want to go the other way. If, if God's showing us, hey, this is the way to go, I absolutely want to go that way. 
And the devil will do anything for us to go this way. To drop the relationship. To drop the fellowship with our earthly father. And I'm getting ready to give you a secondary piece. And this is really what I want to get to today. And a spiritual father. Not just, he doesn't want to just break it up and God doesn't want to just bless us through physical fathers. But even, listen to this, even more importantly as spiritual fathers in our lives. We were talking about marriage and relationships on Wednesday night and it says, we were talking about that blood is thicker than water. And then I was saying how Jimmy Evans made this statement and I agree with him based on biblical things. He said, but spirit is thicker than blood. And if you don't believe that, you just look at it. Look at Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, verse 47 through 50. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside. They want to speak with you. Jesus asked, who's my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mothers and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. In other words, what he did was he said, look, and, and, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way because a lot of people, the, what the devil tries to do is he tries to sow a seed of rebellion right here when this revelation starts to come out. He'll say, yes, go after a spiritual father and mother and you can ditch your old physical father and that's rebellion. No, he wants you to have both. But there is an importance there and there's a priority. And you know what? Some people are able to have their spiritual father also be their physical father. But not everybody. Matter of fact, I would say the majority, that's not the case. And let me just show you an example of this. For example, you know, uh, Mary was, uh, was Jesus' mother, Right? But Jesus never went around preaching about Mary. He went around preaching about his father. He didn't sit there and preach about Mary all the time. He talked to her. He had interaction with her. Hey, he even honored her. The very first miracle was not something he was planning to do. But his mom said, do whatever he says. And he performed a miracle for his mom. See, he didn't, he didn't break ties with her. But he understood that there was an important thing to a spiritual fatherhood. He connected with a spiritual father. And that's who he was about his business doing. Not just his mother's business. Even right here. Here he was, he was preaching, he was ministering. They say, hey, your mom wants to talk to you. And he said, time out. I'm in the middle of business for my spiritual father. And you look at this, you look at Abraham. You look at Abraham. Abraham was in his family's home. And then God spoke to him and said, I want you to leave. And what we'll find is that many times in our lives, we're not to leave and dishonor our physical fathers and mothers, but God has a place that He will place you in, and in that place is a spiritual father that will take you and show you and be the example of the Father and lead you and teach you, and you will be blessed in that place. Under a spiritual father. 
Abraham left his family, went to a place where God would show him. God took him south. He took him south again. He brought him back to the Holy Land. And then in that place, he met his spiritual father. He met, met Melchizedek. And what happened when Melchizedek met him? Abraham opened up his heart. He opened up his life to him. And Melchizedek blessed him. You look at, look at Moses. Moses was this great, great man. And yet, he took him, uh, God took Moses to a spiritual father who happened to be his father-in-law, who taught him about leadership and taught him how to lead the Israelites. Because before that, Moses was wearing himself out. He had a spiritual father in Jethro. Not the hillbilly Jethro. You look at Elisha. Elisha was with his physical dad, plowing fields. And then Elijah comes up and throws his mantle on him. And Elisha immediately leaves because God had placed Elisha with Elijah. And God had a destiny for Elisha to fulfill two times as many miracles as Elijah did. As great as Elijah was, Elisha was destined to be greater as far as the number of miracles, but he had to accept fatherhood to do that. A spiritual father is necessary. You see, and a lot of times people would say, I know in this country we teach heritage so much, and now we're sitting back and maybe some of you during this moment, and I know I was raised this way too, and I had to learn how to get over this. A lot of you would say, uh-uh, I'm not leaving my dad. I'm not leaving my family. Blood is strong. And I agree with you. I actually honor that. I'm telling you to honor that. But watch this. Because as a dad and a spiritual dad... To my own physical kids, I am a poor source for my kids compared to God. Let that sink in. I can't be to my kids what God is anointed and designed to be to them. So at some point, as a physical father, I've got to release my kids into the hand of a loving father that can do multitudes more than I will ever be able to do. And in the plan of God, what he will do is he will take somebody and he will say, hey, I'm placing you in this body or I'm placing you with this person so that they can shepherd you so that they can guide you, so that they can father you. And in that place is where I have placed the blessing that is supposed to be on your life. Our job is simply to hear from God. Where's that place? Who's that person that I'm supposed to be connected to? Who is supposed to be a spiritual father to me? 1 Corinthians 4.14 Huge, huge verses. I don't think I put the message, but I'm going to ask you to go to the message in this after these. He says in verse 14, I am not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you how, as my beloved children. So here's Paul writing to the church at, at Corinth, and he's saying, look, I'm not warning you, I'm not telling you these things to make you feel bad. 
I'm telling you because you're my beloved children. Verse 15 says, For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you only you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you, so I urge you to imitate me. And you see here a principle in God that even though all of these people had a physical father and they had bloodlines and everything, he was saying, listen, I'm giving you these things and I'm releasing this wisdom, this revelation. In other words, these things that will take you to the blessing and the destiny that God's designed for your life as your father. And I love what it says here. It says, even if you had 10,000 voices, basically, 10,000 voices... Today, more than ever, do we have voices that are teaching us who God is. I mean, my goodness, scroll down Facebook for five minutes and you'll have more doctrine than you probably hear in a Sunday sermon. All these voices, Twitter and Facebook and and TV shows and and satellite and, and the internet and everything's true on the internet, you know, right? Okay, so all these voices, ten thousands and thousands of voices. And Paul was saying this, you're not supposed to be paying attention to those. You're supposed to be paying attention to the voice of a father. And not everybody qualifies for a father. Not just everybody who stands up and says, hey, I'm a spiritual father. Should you look at that way? Matter of fact, honestly, there's a whole bunch of pastors in the pulpit that never should have been there. It's the truth. Somebody told them that they had a call, they started believing it, and now they're preaching and they never were supposed to be there. But you look at somebody and you can look at their fruit and you can listen to the Holy Spirit, the voice that He's given you on the inside, that inward witness and say, hey, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is my spiritual Father. He not only walks out love, but He's an example of it. I can look to it. And He teaches me and He shows me. Let's read these same verses in the message um, in verse 14. I'm not writing all this as a neighborhood scold just to make you feel rotten. I'm writing as a father to you, my children. I love you and want you to grow up well and not spoiled. There are a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong, but there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and effort to help you grow up. It was as Jesus helped proclaim God's message to you that I became your father. In verse 16, I'm not, you know, asking you to do anything I'm not already doing myself. This is, that speech is the actions of a father's heart. When you see somebody doing that kind of action, those kind of actions in your life, and they're taking time with you, and effort, and they're spending time with you, and they're speaking into your life, not just to scold you, not to make you feel bad, but they're trying to help you just like you would as a parent, help your kids come up to a better way of life than what you know. That's a spiritual father. A spiritual father is absolutely necessary. You need 
a father. You need a father. 1 Corinthians 12, 18, But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as He desired. Your spiritual father is located where God has placed you. You will find that God's not going to send you to a place that's dry without any supply. If it's dry, then He's either bringing supply there through you, but you're going to find that the resource, if you need a father and that's godly, you're going to find it where He sends you. If God's placed you in the body of boomerang, you're going to find a spiritual father there. If He's placed you somewhere else, that's where your spiritual father is. And this is a reason why we don't just need to be flippant about where we go to church. It doesn't matter to me how long your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents have gone there. The question is, what has God told you? Where is He placing you? That's what's important. All that other stuff is what the world teaches you, but not what God teaches you. He says, I I will place you. Every member is placed, whether they know it or not, or whether they're in the right place or not. There's a place for them. The question is, have they sought God about that? And in that place, what they'll find is, there's a spirit. if it's a good place and it's the right place, they'll find a spiritual father waiting to teach them, mentor them, and love them. And bring the blessing. Here's a big, big, big key. Reception is important. In other words, I can give something all day long. I can give something to Jeff like this. Jeff, will you take this? Will you take it? Will you take it? Come on, Jeff. Will you take it? Will you take it? But nothing's going to happen if he doesn't purpose in his heart to receive. I can be a father all day long standing right in front of Jeff But if he doesn't actually reach out his hand and grab it, he can't receive it. A lot of times, our spiritual father is standing right in the place, right in front of us. The the Holy Spirit's yelling on the inside of us. And there's our father trying to help us. But we won't receive it because the world's told us we're our own person. I can make my own decision. I don't need help. And what you're ditching is the whole source and system of God's provision that He's lined up in His Word. Reception, you must receive. In order to operate in a, with a spiritual father and be in the place where you need to be, you must receive. In other words, you've got to be willing to be independent. Let me put it to you this way. Guess what? You can't operate in God's system Without trust, it's going to take trust. In other words, you're going to have to open up yourself to somebody else. (gasps) Yeah, for real. You're going to have to be willing to show them your junk. Now see somebody who's not a real spiritual father, they're going to see your junk and go, Oh my gosh, good gracious, they're going to, yeah, that's the way somebody who's not a spiritual father is going to do. Hey y'all, did y'all see what they did? You know, that, that's what an unfather would do. But a real spiritual father, he's not moved by that. A real spiritual father says, okay, let's, you did the right thing by telling me about it, now let's go and let's get this thing cleaned up. Let's get to a better place. It takes trust though. 
And a spiritual father, guess what? They're trusting you to move in the next pieces, humility and submission. They're not going to force it on you. You must humble yourself. If you want a father relationship to work right, it takes humility and it takes submission. And I know when I say the word submission, our idea is really messed up about that because the world's taught us about submission and authority in a wrong way. But if you really want to see it, just ask yourself this question. This is proper submission and authority. Proper authority is what Jesus did. If Jesus really held you under His thumb, how many things would He make you do right? And how many does He? So a true authority is not one where you're under the thumb of somebody. But true submission, so that's what you can look, look for in a father. But true submission is one that says, even when I disagree with you, I'm going to listen like Jesus did in the garden. Even though my will is different, I will commit to the end. Submission is not really needed when you agree. It's actually needed when you disagree. And in humility and submission to your proper spiritual father, in submission and authority and humility, there is a power and a beauty that is released in the kingdom of God. And it is amazing what God can do in that situation. Look what He did through Christ when He had proper authority, the Father, and then proper submission through Jesus. Look what He did through the disciples when He had proper understanding of authority and submission. Particularly, look at the Apostle John. You understand, he saw in Jesus a spiritual father like no other disciple, no other apostle saw. When he wrote about him, he said this, he had revelation of how much his father loved him, the apostle that Jesus loved. That's how he described himself because he had revelation. So many times we read about where John was sitting there loving on Jesus. And you know what? He's the one apostle they couldn't kill because there's a true submission and authority with the spiritual father. And when you walk in it, there's a beauty and a power that goes beyond this earth's laws. It goes beyond what you're normally seeing. It moves into the heart and the reality of God. You know, I had uh, many, many times I've talked about, you know, just people showing up and being here at church. And, and it just hit me in the last couple of weeks that, you know, I've always felt that as a deep heart and not a scolding. And really these verses helped me to see it as I was thinking on this message. But oftentimes it's been taken when I've said you really need to be here and being here is very important. It's very often been taken by people as a scolding and a condemnation. And that was never my heart. Matter of fact, it surprised me and shocked me when I, when I would hear that. I'm like, what in the world? And I finally realized that it was my father's heart for the people that was telling them that. Just like a daddy that knows where good things are going to happen and knows where bad things are going to happen. And it was my father's heart. And although I was telling them, maybe I wasn't relaying it quite that way, but I'm relaying it to you now. That's the reason why. Because there's a father's heart going, I know where your good place is. I know where your bad place is. Don't go do the bad stuff. 
Like a father would say, don't go hang out with those friends. Hang out with the ones that are making good decisions. Get new friends. And so, so often, I didn't even realize that myself, how much God had put that father's heart in me for y'all. Many times we have this last story, and I'll finish up for today. Many times what we see in today's church society is we see people that will move from one church to the next to the next, and right about the time they learn all the pastor has, they'll jump and move and head to the next church. They'll sit there for a year or two or three. They'll basically soak up all the revelation that they have. And they're trying to live on the pastor's revelation. They're trying to live really on the pastor's fellowship, but they're never really grabbing a fellowship of their own. Now what's interesting about that is, because the actual design is, Stephen and I were talking uh, a little while ago, let's say that I'm pushing back on the forces of darkness, right? And I'm pushing on it. Well, I by myself, I only am so strong. And our job in the kingdom of God is to be one and to be yoked with Jesus and to grow in our ability to be united where two or more gathered. You know, there's a strength that's multiplied and gathered. And so what happens is, like George and Stephen, will you come here real quick? What happens is, the Lord will put us in a position to do things and come here behind me. The Lord will put us in a position to do things and then as a spiritual father, I'll teach, I'll teach and then you know, y'all will get revelation and two or three years will go by and this is what's happened in the norm in the American church is you'll start getting revelation on faith and on love and all this stuff and all of a sudden you feel like you know everything that I'm about to say. Almost all of us have experienced this. And right when the time that I need the most help to push, now we should be three strong instead of one strong, they'll turn, break roots, and go the other way. And then I'm going, hey, we're low! But what happens, see, what happens is this, and this has become really evident recently is, there's a difference between knowing something and knowing it in theory. In other words, you can have your mind and you can have knowledge in there, but that doesn't mean that you know how to live it out yet. That doesn't mean you've actually had the experience of pressing through in those issues. And that's what a spiritual father will bring, is the ability to show you not just what needs to happen, but now that we're in it, how to make it happen. And stand with you. And so what happens is, come on back up, what we're supposed to do instead of, listen, instead of ripping up our roots every couple of years, we're to plant them. Now when you get the revelation, you kind of know what I'm going to say and what I'm going to do. Here's the reason for that, because they know if I'm going to kind of dodge left, then they know and they've learned they need to dodge left with me. Right, fellas? Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> If I'm going to dodge right, they know it before I even start to do it. And they start moving with me, and we can move as one force. We can start moving together. And then I'm, I'll show them, as a spiritual father, how to do those things. Well, what happens if it's not just a couple of us? Come on up, fellas. But all of a sudden, we got a bunch of people that plant. 
And now we have a system of God that's designed as a leader and we are not just pushing back a little bit of the kingdom of darkness and a little bit of the enemy's plan, but a whole lot of the enemy's plan. And their back is their hands are on each other's back and shoulder pushing each other. Well, I don't have any, any other choice but to go forward when we're connected like this. It takes away the options of backing up or getting pushed back. How would you like to win all the time? It all comes back to spiritual fatherhood. Thank you, fellas. God's design is a team with a good leader or a good father. It doesn't mean that that person takes the place of God. It's just a part of His design. In other words, Jesus came, watch this, Jesus came to lead the disciples to the Father and into a personal relationship. But He also came to lead them. In other words, He was the leader that the Father put in their lives to teach them how to do the exact same thing. In other words, Jesus came to teach them how to connect with their Father. He didn't come, connect them, and then leave. He was there to teach them how to do it and to show them how to do it and to be an example of how to do it. He wasn't absent. He was actually a person here on this earth fulfilling the design that the Father had of spiritual fatherhood. God's way, His order, is for us to choose fellowship as our source over knowledge. Let that sink in and let me show you, show you this. You see, people when they start jumping from church to church to church, what they're doing is they're trying to pick up all the revelation and all the knowledge and find the place that's comfortable, not the place where they need to submit. And what they're doing, they're committing the exact same sin that Adam and Eve did in the garden. They had God Himself and they chose knowledge over fellowship. Our job, God's way, is for us to choose fellowship with each other over knowledge. And that's how He feeds the blessing. He said it in Galatians 3.8. Here's the gospel preached beforehand to Abraham that through you, through people, all the nations would be blessed. In other words, the blessing is going to come and God's power and His wisdom is going to come through people. That's how He chooses to do it. I just say this to you at the end because there's some of you here today that God's highlighting who your spiritual father should be, whether it be me or somebody else. God's highlighting that. Or maybe He's reminding you, hey, there's a bigger plan here than just going to church on Sunday morning. There's a bigger things happening in the Spirit just than showing up and singing a few songs and hearing a message. The kingdom of darkness is being pushed back as we do what we're supposed to do, as we get into God's plan and God's order. There's something bigger here than just your dad or your mama saying, well, you better go to church. There's something bigger here than that. We're fulfilling our call and our destiny. And we're finding our place where God has really chosen to bless us. Today, there's some people that are saying, 
I need to do this. I need to commit, submit to a spiritual father. I need to look at that person in a different way. Whether it be me or anybody else, you may be visiting today, but there's a plan in place. And let me speak for that person, be it me or somebody else. Proverbs 23:22. Oh my son, oh my child, give me your heart. May your eyes take delight in following my ways. And I would add this, as I follow Christ. And right now, you may be sitting there saying, I need the prayer of a father. I need a prayer of that person that God has as a spiritual father in me. And I just want to open up the altar for just a minute. Maybe, maybe play a little bit of music here. And if you need the prayer of a, of a daddy that God has ordained to be in your life, even if I'm not him today, I'm just standing in for him, but you need that prayer, I just invite you to come up and just line up here and let's just pray over those things. Let the blessing of God flow through a spiritual daddy. So come on up. Saying, Lord, I need that father. Amen. Play some music, please. Amen. Lord, I just thank you for everybody that may be coming. And it, and it doesn't have to be everybody. It's just those people that are saying, Today, I need that. Today, I need connection. I need a spiritual father. Lord, I just ask in Jesus' name that you would make the connection today with all of your children. I can't do it by myself. You are the only one who feels that need. You are the only one who's sourced. But they're recognizing and they're saying, this is a way and an order of God and it's important. And I receive the blessing of God in every way. I receive that fatherhood and that connection to the Lord. Lord, thank you for your blessing. Blessing of God be in Harley, in Jesus' name. Blessing be in Jesus' name. Blessing be in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Blessing of God be. In Jesus' name. Anybody else, come on up right now real quick. Blessing of God be in Jesus' name. Blessing be in Jesus' name. Come on up real quick. Blessing of God be in Jesus' name. Blessing be. Blessing of God be in Jesus' name. Bless. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Blessing of God be in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Blessing. Blessing of God be in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for Corey. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. 
Lord, this is not my blessing, but yours. I'm just releasing it. I'm just the channel. Thank you, Father. Blessing of God be in Jesus' name. Blessing be in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you. Lord, I just ask right now that everybody that stepped up in whatever way, whatever level, Lord, I just ask that things would be totally different from this moment forward. That the blessings would flow. Everything that was restricting that flow. Every grip that the devil had in their life, Lord. Everything that was stopped by the things that the world had taught them. Let them now, in the name of Jesus, be destroyed. And the fountains of